Welcome to a very spooky pre-release edition of the Typed Out Podcast. <laughs> Joining me today is my co-host and one of my best, best friends, Marshant Davis. Welcome, Marshant. Thank you for joining me. Hi, welcome. <laughs> so today uh, in the pre-release episode, I want to talk about voting, specifically for the midterm elections, which are going to be one week from today. That is November 6th. Yes, folks. Yes, Tuesday, November 6th. Before we get into um, a very special interview with uh, Jess Regal and Emily Graham of Motivote, Marchant, you and I had a conversation today. We did. Just a little anecdote about uh, an experience that you had this past weekend in Washington, D.C., and I wanted to pick your brain about that. So just please give the listeners a little insight as to what happened or just tell us what happened. Yeah. I, I will. Um, <laughs> so I was in D.C. this past week doing a little thing that I do. And I got an Uber to go somewhere. And of course, I'm a millennial and I am working on a budget. So I got a shared ride. <laughs> and who was sharing that ride with you? Uh, her name was Deborah or Lisa. I'm not I don't quite remember. The way it worked is I got in the car and a woman immediately asked me, she goes, are you voting? And I go, hi, my name's Marshawn. Nice to meet you. She goes, I already know your name. I saw it on the app. Are you voting? <laughs> my gosh. Okay. Literally, the, my response right now, that laugh is what I did because I didn't know what to say or do in that situation. Like, what do you, how do you meet that energy? You know what I mean? Right. It's like, well, thank you for stalking me through the Uber app and like affronting me with uh, such strong energy as I get in the car. Also, I don't know you. <laughs> well, yes, that too. <laughs> so like... My grandma always taught me don't talk politics with strangers, but I digress. Um, so we, I, I continue to laugh and I'm like, you know what? Listen, lady, um, as a black man in America, I find it hard to believe that my vote matters and counts. Um, and then we had a back and forth, a back and forth. And eventually she goes, you know what? You're just young and you don't understand. And I go, you know what? You know what I do understand, lady? I understand that I am, um, I grew up in Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. I understand that in 2006, my cousin was shot by the police and his body laid on Wollston Avenue for about 10 hours, 15 hours before anybody said anything. I understand that I grew up in the city of Philadelphia and in a school district where in order to print out homework and our work, we had to bring in rings of paper. That I do understand. And I also understand that and what I know is that I went to grad school and I graduated with a motherfucking MFA. Excuse my language. That's okay. And then she goes, Lisa or Deborah, whatever her name was. Uh, <laughs> Rebecca. Rebecca. <laughs> Rebecca. Rebecca. She goes, um, oh, I went to NYU too. And I go, look at that, Lisa. I said, Lisa, we're on the same team. And she goes, I don't know. Which then got me really kind of hot and bothered on the inside. Because I was just like, you don't know. Um, right. Like, why does she have to say that you're not on the same team only because you're not sure that if you, you're going to vote because of personal experience? And the thing is what I said, I never told this woman I wasn't going to vote. I then said, 
tell me why I should vote. Um, Because I was like, I was curious to know what she would say. And she was like, well, it's your civic duty as an American. I said, well, my what I believe my civic duty is, is to speak out against racism, oppression, prejudices. That's what I, my civic duty is to help my fellow man on the street when he asks for food. That's my civic duty. I don't know about yours, but mine, that's what I take on as my civic duty. Now, if you told me that, like... At some point, my ancestors weren't able to vote and didn't have the right to vote. And maybe if we started to have that conversation, maybe I might have like opened up in, in a different way to her. But that's not what this woman said to me. She said it's my civic duty. So I responded with, you know what, Le- Lisa, Rebecca, Deborah, <laughs> over 50 percent of white women voted for Trump. I said those numbers and over like what is it over like 70 or 80 percent of white men voted for Trump. Yeah. I said those numbers in the black community don't exist in that way. I said, I think you're talking to the wrong person. Yeah. Ooh, Deborah. But how did she back that up? What was her defense? Her, her defense was, no, I understand what it is to be a black man. I have black nephews. And I said, bitch. I didn't actually call her a bitch, y'all, but I wanted to. (laughs) Listen, everybody, anybody, all the people out there listening to this right now, if you are having a conversation with somebody and you have to back it up with, I have a trans friend, I have an Asian friend, I have a black friend, I have a black nephew, my cousin is gay, then I think what you're saying might be slightly problematic. Right. It's it's like, I love the line in Game of Thrones, I think it's Game of Thrones, where Ned tells Arya, anything that is said before the butt doesn't matter. Yes. It's just like, okay, great. That's the preface to whatever the racist, homophobic, transphobic comment you were about to make. You know, it's just like, thank you for giving me that pre-clause to to whatever you're about to lay down. And so we went back and forth because she at the end she was like, no, I understand. And I said, no, you don't understand in the same way. She was talking about how she has black nephews and she worries about their bodies. And I was like, yeah, but you walk down the street and you're not a black man. And she was like, no, you don't know my life. And I said, I know your wife because I see you. I have eyes. And I wasn't trying to disrespect this woman's experience or her nephews. In fact, sister, I feel for them. <laughs> like, yeah. I, I understand their, what they go through. Well, she came at you as soon as you got in the car. Yeah. Like, she didn't even give you a chance. No, she wasn't. She she was w- w- woke Wendy <laughs> all the way. <laughs> woke Wendy. <laughs> you know, oh, we're not we- talking uh, Wendy Williams. No. <laughs> How you doing? No. How you not doing? <laughs> Like she was woke Wendy. She just like wanted to tell me about herself and what my civic duty was. And, you know, I I wanted to hear her out. I really did. And I tried to like have a conversation with her. But when she looked at me and said she went to the same graduate program, that uh, the same school I went to, NYU. And I responded with, look, Lisa, woke Wendy, we're on the same team. And she goes, I don't know. I'm not sure about that. I was like, wow. How did you, like, I know eventually you got dropped off. Were you the first one out of the car or did she? I was the first one out of the car. And I went to the, the, the driver actually was like, brother, brother, man, brother, man. Cause he was a black man. He was like, brother, man, come here, come here. I just need to, he gave me a handshake and he gave me the brother handshake, you know, I was, I was like, yeah, man, thanks bro. And I looked at her and I said, just so you know, I'm going to vote, but not because some white woman sat in the back of an Uber and told me it was my civic duty. Right. And essentially threatened and shamed you to do it. Not threatened. I would definitely say shamed. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that is a perfect example of how you don't get someone to vote. But Marchant, 
Do you know how you do get somebody to vote? How do you get somebody to vote? You get them to go onto motivote.us. Motivote.us. And then they register for a team like typed out. And then they get a little extra incentive along the way to uh, set up an action plan to go and vote on November 6th, Tuesday, November 6th for the midterm elections. But do you know who can give us more information on Motivote? Who can give us some more information? That would be co-founders Jess and Emily, who we'll hear from now. All right, Marchant, thank you so much for joining me. You're welcome. Thank you for having me. And uh, we can only encourage you to go out and vote on November 6th. We shall overcome. (laughs) (laughs) Let's let's hear from Jess and Emily from Motivote. Take it away. Emily and Jess, welcome. Thank you for joining me today. Thank you for having us. We're, We're so jazzed to be here. Or digital, you know, virtually here. <laughs> yes, yes. Everything through through the digital age these days. Um, so joining me from Skype is Emily and Jess today, and so we're going to talk about Motivote, which is their joint venture. Which I'll I'll leave it to you, ladies, to better explain. But from the way that I understand it, Motivote is meant to incentivize people to get out and vote. And we have the midterm elections coming up a week from today. So uh, Emily, Jess, please tell me what was the impetus behind starting Motivote? So Motivote is a a web-based platform that helps young people hold themselves and their friends accountable for voting by making the experience fun and easy and social so that more people do it. Um, And really the the impetus for this was uh, Jess and myself and um, our third co-founder, Rachel, were in graduate school getting our uh, policy degrees at NYU. And right after the 2016 presidential election, had the opportunity to come together to work on a capstone project, which is basically like an applied research project. Um, We were coming off of 2016, and all of us were taking part in the activism that we all saw sprout up after after 2016. So going to marches and calling our representatives to ask them to protect the Affordable Care Act. getting way more involved in politics than than many of us or and our peers had been before. But we realized that young people don't vote. We are incredibly unreliable when it comes to turning out in elections. And all of this, this new surge of activism that was so inspiring would kind of be for naught if people didn't actually make it to the polls on election day. Um, so we started researching low voter turnout among young people and started interviewing hundreds and hundreds of college-aged students um, and, and 18 to 24-year-olds to figure out why it is that they don't vote. Um, and we surfaced sort of two distinct reasons um, that make it so that young people aren't voting. Uh, the first are what we call structural barriers. So all the things that so many people are talking about in the run-up to the midterms, like um, voter ID laws, uh, complex um, early voting and absentee regulations, all those things tend to disproportionately affect young voters as well as voters of color. And that's because young people are a transient population. We may go to school in a different place than we grew up. And all of the roadblocks that state governments are putting into place 
make it harder for young people to vote. But then there is the this second set of issues that we call behavioral micro barriers. And it's sort of a fancy wonky name, but really it just means like the stupid reasons that people don't vote. And that is excuses that we tell ourselves to make us feel better. Like, oh, I just, I don't know if my single vote really matters or, oh, I couldn't get out of class in time or I don't know, like I'm, I'm registered at home and it was just too much. And what we found is that the, the young voters that we were interviewing were able to beautifully articulate the value of voting in elections. They understood the importance. However, they just weren't overcoming the really tiny barriers that would trip them up to get them to the polls. Every one of those conversations was uh, really fascinating and also um, would sort of force us to not pull our hair out or we tried hard not to pull our hair out just because it's it's so simple if, if, if you can sort of set up a, a system of, of incentives and accountability to get people there. Do you think that there was more of a response or a lack of response, I should say, with with young people not voting, especially after the 2016 presidential election? Did they do you think that not to make this like a it's not Democrats that are outvoting, you know, in the sense that because Hillary didn't win, but there was a lot of talk around that election being rigged. And also with the potential Russian involvement, do you think people were like, well, what's the point anyway? Because there's a lot of manipulation involved. Or have you seen the trend that there was a lack of involvement prior to the 2016 election? We heard a lot um, was pe people know that, that, that their vote matters, at least the group that we're focused on. So the way, the way we think about it broadly is um, there are 54 million um, you know, 18 to 29 year olds in the U.S. and about half of them, you know, they, they don't register to vote. They don't engage um, in the political participation process at all. They're not our target right now. The, where we started was with those um, that other 50 percent who do vote at least in presidential elections. And, you know, they it's an every four years thing. And a lot of the people that we talked to, especially as we did that initial research, they were, you know, political science majors or they worked in some sort of um, um, you know, if not specifically a political environment, then maybe related to, you know, the nonprofit space or civic engagement. These are people who care about and understand the essentially the connection between um, them voting and and the impact that it will have. But what they told us is especially for, for midterms and, and local elections. Um, that there was, there was sort of a, a disconnect that made them feel most guilty. They tell us, I just can't, you know, I know it's important, but I just can't get myself as motivated or as fired up than I can during um, a presidential election year. And we know that a, a big driver of, of low turnout, particularly in um, midterm and odd year races, is that it's a lower information environment. It's a... Um, you know, there's there's just there's less media coverage. There's fewer events, um, and we we found that people told us it was hard to get fired up um, in that way. There were certainly some people that we talked to um, that you know said like I didn't feel strongly about either candidate who was running in that race, um, and you know that's why I chose not to vote. But for the most part, what what we were looking at and, and continuing to focus on is for the folks who already have that initial intention or, or inroad, um, maybe you know, they voted in a presidential election before, um, but are not voting consistently um, in, in all types of elections. And that's, that's the gap that, that we're trying to fill right now. And so have you found through MotiVote, like incentivizing people to vote, 
are you seeing more of a response through the platform? Like, are people registering and saying that I'm committing to doing this? Yeah. So um, to be very, very clear, we are incentivizing um, through our reward structure the steps that people <laughs> take to get ready to vote, um, which are correlated with uh, making you more likely to, to follow through. Um, so it's super illegal to give, to pay someone to vote or to incentivize directly the, the act of them voting. The way that we navigate that and are able to drive higher engagement and, um, you know, as we continue to build this out and test more, um, we believe over time higher turnout is by hooking people into the political process with the promise of friendly competition and the opportunity to earn rewards. So some, some concrete examples of that are making a voting plan is something that is statistically correlated with um, making you more likely to turn out to vote. Um, but the way that it's been tested in, in studies is, you know, in, in kind of specific districts, you know, they do a test where they call a set of people, they have them um, map out, you know, when and where they're going to vote, and um, those people are more likely to follow through. That's something that's not really um, a scalable or be really engaging, especially for the people who don't happen to be in this randomized control trial and get contacted by the researchers. So we know it's a, um, a good thing to do to make a voting plan. The problem is the people who are going to make a voting plan on their own are the ones who already feel, you know, engaged and confident in this process. So what we do is by making it a competition, um, keeping you accountable for taking those steps, is we see that you are more likely to follow through um, and then are more likely to act actually vote come election day. Um, another example of that is um, the idea of getting of decreasing the essentially decreasing the psychological costs of investing in getting informed about an election. So a lot of people tell us, and this bears out in in broader research too, um, that the reason they don't vote is because they feel like they just don't know enough about the candidates or issues. And as an aside, that's something we hear from young people all of the time that they just don't feel like they have the right to to. Um, use their voice in an election, and that's not something we hear from, you know, the 70% of people over 65 who may be equally uninformed, um, but certainly take advantage of, of their right to, to express themselves. Um, but so what we see with uh, the idea of in, investing time in acquiring information about the election is if you are committed to vote, you know you're going to show up on election day, you have more incentive to take the time, whether you know it's 10 minutes, 20 minutes, to look up a ballot guide, which which we incentivize you doing and make it super easy on, on MotoVote, or to you know read some articles, or maybe even watch a debate and discuss it with your friends. If you um, are not if you're wishy-washy about whether you're going to vote, you know, maybe if I feel like it on that day, we'll see what my schedule is like, um, then you don't have the same type of incentive to actually get yourself informed. So by actually having people commit up front and knowing that they have the, the closed loop accountability on the other side, that they will be verifying their vote with MotoVote um, on election day and that their friends will see their I voted selfie too, um, it, it, decreases the cost from them of investing in getting ready to vote. And we've had, um, you know, our users tell us um, during our primary elections this summer that, you know, they they were really busy with work and school and they did not feel like going to vote at the end of the day. But knowing that they had a report back to us and to their team members um, was was the thing that helped them get over that hump and, and actually follow through. That's really great to hear. And the other thing is that I found like through after I registered with MotoVote, you under your profile, it, you know, 
brings up where you're registered, your state. And when I clicked on it, it pulled up the information like who was running for which office in in New York, which I thought was super helpful. So in that way, I feel like it kind of fills in those gaps or makes the information more accessible to people who are likely to say, well, I just feel less informed and kind of puts that information at their fingertips or at least starts that connection. Well, we're thrilled to hear that because that that is exactly our point. This information is out there, um, but people are most people are not intrinsically motivated or even know how to go about accessing it. So we're um, our, our philosophy on this is to never reinvent the wheel. Um, Motivote doesn't need to go out and, and create the content around, you know, who's on a ballot or, um, you know, how to navigate the broader election process because there's plenty of groups and organizations that do that. We see our role as bringing it into an easy to, to access um, space where you're, um, right as you said, it's at the tip of your fingertips. Um, it makes me think of we were um, we were at a, a women in leadership training event um, this this summer with a with a local representative, and we were we were having a discussion at the table um, where there were a lot of you know younger women um, in college and and right out, and they were saying you know it's just it's really hard to get information about local elections in particular, um, and that's you know why my friends and I don't regularly vote, and that's true. Like this information is really hard to access and in, in large part that's intentional um, because there's you know incentives to to not have more people informed and act actively voting. But what this representative said is she was like, what is Beyonce's daughter's name? And everyone's like, Blue <laughs> Ivy, like obviously. And it's like, well how did you know that? Like you don't know probably Beyonce and her daughter. You it was that you were like scrolling through Twitter or like you know you saw an article in the mag in a magazine while you were like getting your nails done, whatever, you somehow were able to pick up on that piece of information and now you know who Blue Ivy is. You don't know your you probably don't know your local representative's name, right? So how can we make that information um, like just easy enough to, to access as as you're you know scrolling through your feed or um, texting something to your friends that you at the very least have you know the name recognition and and a basic sense of what's going on? And we think that's possible once once we kind of get people in you know, in the loop and onto these accountability teams where it's really easy and just more fun to, to access that information. And I, I just want to reinforce one thing that Jess sort of touched on, which is that it is to the advantage of incumbent politicians that fewer people vote um, because, and and this isn't even like, you know, conspiracy theory-ish, it's, it's just a fact that um, when fewer people vote and fewer people are informed, it, it tends to uh, reinforce the status quo and, and keep people in power for longer. Uh, and that's why voting rules and regulations are intentionally opaque and they are, I mean, it, it is sort of mind-blowing that every state in America has their own set of, of rules and regulations and dates and deadlines for what could very easily be uh, one nationalized system. Um, so it's it's not entirely the fault of millennials that, that they're not able to access this information. It's um, partially a, a habit that people build as they kind of age into the cohort of people that vote more regularly. And one other question that I wanted to bring up that I think a lot of listeners are probably thinking about is like, why are the midterms so important? I, I mean, every election is important, but now, you know, as we mentioned prior to, to starting the episode that, you know, there's the countdown happening and it's eight days until, until the midterms. And why so much attention on midterms? I think for a couple of reasons. I think one, it is the 
country on a national level's first opportunity to check those in power that were elected in 2016, um, which means, you know, there's an opportunity for Democrats to potentially take back the House of Representatives, which in a bicameral system means that we would have, or the Democratic Party would would have for the first time a, a real check on the Trump presidency. And I think that that is, that is a big part of it. Um, but I think what other people are starting to pick up on is that the federal elections and even like presidential and, and Senate elections tend to get the most attention. Those are the politicians that we're most familiar with. And they're like, you know, the sexiest elections. They're the ones that celebrities tend to get involved in. But there are countless elections on a statewide level that are equally, if not more important. Um, so there are a number of, of super critical governor's races across the country right now and um, races where the balance of, of power in, in state legislatures is in play. And what that means is that um, for everything from expanding voting rights, which we've been talking about to um, redistricting when the 2020 census comes along, all of those smaller down ballot races are going to be so much more impactful, frankly, than who has control of Congress. And I think people are starting to wake up to the fact that, again, the, the Democratic Party has been a largely top-down um, focused effort for the last 20 years, and, and Republicans have done a much better job of, of focusing on a state-by-state, -state, like a, a statewide strategy, and um, that's that's reflected in who has control of, you know, more than half of, of governors' mansions across the country. Um, so I, I think people are starting to, to really wake up to to the fact that down-ballot races have a, a much bigger impact than than they thought. So another, another reason uh why these midterms are so important is because it's really a test case of whether the past two years, um, the surge of energy and activism, especially among young people that we've seen, will translate into concrete uh, uh, concrete civic action in terms of voting. Uh, so we hear a ton about the really exciting, um, record-breaking uh, new registration numbers for both uh, previously unregistered voters as well as uh, young people who have turned 18 for, for the first time this year. Um, but we at the same time see that, that time and time again, uh, young people not only have the uh, lowest voting rates overall, but uh, people under 30 have the highest drop-off between registering to vote and actually doing it. So being registered is a critical first step, but it does not guarantee that you turn out on election day, um, which is the which is the problem that MotorVote is trying to solve. And the the midterms. Um, will really be an important test case of, of whether we can bring people uh, across the finish line. Um, if, you know, all of the, the protests and rallies and phone calls and postcard writing parties that we've seen uh, over the past uh, two years, all of those efforts are really going to be for, for not if, if those same people and their, you know, broader networks um, don't actually show up on election day. Yeah, no, I mean, I wonder how many people really correlate, you know, activism to voting, you know, that these social issues or the things that we see happening are so intrinsically connected to to your vote, to you showing up to the polls and, and casting your ballot. Yeah. Emily, maybe you can speak more to this, but you were telling me about a conversation where there uh, maybe a young women's leadership conference where there was concern because women were really excited about getting involved and but not about actually the process of, of voting. Yes. Okay. This is like 
such a, <laughs> thank you for reminding me of this <laughs> anecdote, Jess. So yeah, I, I spoke, um, I spoke with a woman who runs the, the women's campaign school at Yale and it is like the premier training ground for any woman that wants to run for public office. It's totally nonpartisan and so cool. Um, and she let me know that in the, she, she said, you know, I'm so happy in the, in the wake of President Trump's election and the Women's March, we're getting this surge of interest and people are calling me left and right saying that they, they marched, they're angry, and now they're ready to run for office. And um, the first question that the director asks is, okay, great. Did you vote in the 2016 presidential election? And she said that she was floored by the number of people that said that they didn't vote. And then she would ask a further question, which is, are you registered to vote? And she was again, blown away by the number of people that didn't even know if they were registered to vote. So I think there's a danger um, in, in the space that we're in now where there are so many competing opportunities to get involved where people think, um, okay, I'm mad and now I'm going to run for office. And, and that's great, but not, not everyone should be running for office and, and voting is a really important first step. <laughs> I would argue the most important first step um, to involving yourself in, in the political process. Um, and one that we've seen isn't as fun or exciting as certainly as it used to be and, and as it should be. Right. It's just like deciding to suddenly run a marathon. It's like, uh, well, have you done a 5K? <laughs> and let me tell you, I recently decided to start running a marathon having not run a 5K. What? It lasted like a week and then I stopped because you didn't, I, you didn't I even hear that. about it because I, it's, yeah, it's not um, feasible. And yeah, I mean, yeah. <laughs> it's conditioning, right? Like, that's the thing is like, um, I know that there's been a lot of attention on uh, politicians who are joining, um, who, who are picking up more public roles are taking on the political role and they have zero experience. I, I think we can think of one prominent figure, uh, but also even with like Cynthia Nixon running uh, earlier this year, you know? And I think I just also want to flag like right, the flip side of that is, I mean, the idea of saying you're going to run for office when you haven't even voted and don't know if you're registered is one, one issue. And then the other thing that we see um, you know, a lot and even among our, you know, our social networks, especially now that we've dug a lot more into this space and, and talk about it all of the time, is the folks who, you know, show up to the rallies or, you know, we always say it's, you know, the folks who listen to Pod Save America on their morning commute and are, you know, talking to their friends and posting articles on, on social media about how, how frustrated, frustrated they are and they declare themselves as really politically engaged, they're, they're activists, and they don't actually get around to voting because of the micro barriers that, that Emily was discussing before. So there's, there's a lot of ways that people sort of mental gymnastics themselves out of uh, following through with voting. Um, and there's, there's a cut, you know, it, we're, we're really about trying to make the process fun and, and easy and social with the accountability uh, so that people actually follow through. And there's a, there's a number of, of other um, new initiatives this, uh, this election cycle that similar things have existed in the past, but we see them really as, as coming center stage on the idea of making the actual act of voting more fun, things like having parties at the polls with, you know, music and food and things like that to try to make what, you know what, like, yeah, you have to like fill out a piece of paper, put it in the mail, and then go stand in line for, you know, 
hopefully just a couple minutes and sometimes longer. That's not a glamorous process. No one really wants to do that when you're feeling, you know, crunched and dizzy and all that. So all just different ways um, to make sure that you actually do what you need, what you need to do uh, to essentially, um, you know, walk, walk the talk of being involved in, in activism and, and civic engagement. Yeah. And I know that you've had some pretty great sponsorships. Like I know this past weekend, there was a prize pack for like the Fluid Project and, and winning um, some merchandise with them. Who are some of the sponsorships that you've connected with that are really helping sort of push the movement here? It's really funny. They've sort of fallen into... Well, so first I will say that we have been incredibly lucky and, and dealing with almost an embarrassment of riches where so many... Uh, companies that we reach out to and speak with are more than happy to to support our work and to help to help get out the vote. Uh, a lot of it. <laughs> speaking of marathons, uh, we've had a lot of companies that um, fall into sort of a food gluttony type uh, category, and then exercise. So it's like you win your prizes for free Ben and Jerry's ice cream, who've been a really generous sponsor with us, and then you can hit up SoulCycle or Barry's Boot Camp in. Um, in New York City, as that's a way to work it off. I hate that, um, but yeah, a lot of a lot of fitness studios, um, food companies as well. Uh, just who else you? I'm trying to think about. Yeah, so uh, I mean, a couple of them. Um, so like Rise uh, Brewing Coffee Company, which has like organic, free trade, nitro iced coffee. That's something um, that. We're doing discounts, um, discount codes, and giveaways for. There's probably thirty to forty um, across across the country. A lot based here in New York, um, but also some some national ones and ones with different branches. And the companies that we we reach out to are really excited about a way to I think you know both get in touch with a new generation of socially conscious young. Uh, Young people um, and get get exposure to, to further for their products and, and services, um, and to be able to align themselves with uh, with essentially this movement. So what's what's really interesting is um, you know when we see large companies, you know Lyft, um, like Patagonia, uh, Walmart, even which we might not always associate with the most progressive of causes, they've made these uh, you know big announcements and, and commitments to giving their, their employees time off on election day and, and signaling the importance of, of voting and uh, participating in this, in this facet of, of civic life. Um, but there's also, this uh, just kind of goes, goes to show what, uh, what type of environment we're operating in. Um, there's certainly also some, you know, pushback for, uh, you know, companies who don't want to be seen as, quote, taking a side or, or too political um, just for supporting the uh, the premise of, of having more people vote, uh, which is right, com uh, should be totally totally neutral and apolitical. Um, but there is uh, there is definitely um, can be more of a you know a hesitancy or you know a concern about about supporting something like voting. So we think what's a, a big driver for the companies that have generously sponsored um, prize packs is it's a way for them to showcase their commitment to this um, 
you know, to this cause and, and the, the ideal of getting more young people active, um, but in, in a way that, that, you know, feels, feels fun and engaging. And um, we're, re we're really about trying to connect our, our Motivote players with things they actually um, can use in their daily lives and are, are excited about. So there's tons of, of online shops and, and ways that you can get different I voted, um, voting swag and a lot of, you know, fun slogans and buttons and all of that. And that's really cool and fun to get, but what we see as a better way to engage, especially the people who need that extra nudge, they might not see themselves as a voter, might not, uh, you know, opt in on their own, are things like, you know, your fitness classes or free food, or, you know, we have um, a couple sponsor speakers from Sonos, um, so, uh, you know, we free weekend trip from Getaway. So things that are, are just, you know, fun, but also useful um, and it's all part of us trying to move the idea of voting outside of the it's your civic duty or it's your responsibility uh, narrative and into just something that is is part of our daily lives and is a, a habit and a thing you, you do with your friends. I think the most important question here is where can folks go to register for Motivote? And can you give us like a brief synopsis of what is involved to actually register? Yeah, so um, the whole point of this, right, we're making voting easy, so we also want to make joining a Motivote team super, super easy. Um, so Motivote is a, we're a simple web platform, uh, so you'll go to motivote.us slash register, and then you'll spend definitely no more than five minutes, unless you are making up a team name and you are struggling to come up with a creative name. We've had a lot of awesome voting uh themed puns and actually just did a social media uh, voting contest on it the other day. And the, the winner is actually winning a Fluid Project uh, t-shirt also, which which your team is, is eligible for as well. Yes. Um, so you'll you'll go to the, the website. Um, you uh, share a little bit of basic info with us, um, birthday, uh, address, address where you're registered, etc. Um, and the purpose of that is so we can verify you voted uh, with the voter file. Um, whether or not you voted is public record, um, not who you vote for, of course. And so Motivote, uh, we verify in real time that you voted with an I voted selfie, but we also do cross-check when the um, public voter record is, is updated. So we ask for that information from you, um, and it's stays with us, we don't share that with anyone, then you join your team um, or form a team. Um, and if you're listening to this, you should join Nick's team. Um, <laughs> yes, typed out. Please join us. Out. Um, so you just search for that in the little search bar after you click join a friend's team, and then you're in. And once you're on the platform, um, and we'll send you a, uh, some emails as well just to keep you in the loop about what are the different bonus challenges, um, and those are things you can do to earn more points and earn more prizes. Um, so you'll, you'll stay updated uh, through that. You can participate in as much or as little as you want. We have some users on board who are super competitive and want all of the points for all of the things. Um, and there are other people who see this as simply an accountability tool. They sign up so they know that they have to uh, verify they voted uh, on election day or if they, they vote by mail, uh, they send us a picture of that. So you can have any level of engagement that you want. Um, it's not an app you need to download or something you need to spend a lot of time on. Um, the the core thing is that you sign up so uh, your team can see you on, on the dashboard and that you verify your vote with us when you do it so that you can get a little check next to your name and your I voted selfie sent out to your team and feel really awesome about yourself. 
Yeah, and it's super easy to earn points. Like it's small things like sending out a tweet or adding yeah, a profile yeah, there's picture. There's so many ways to to earn points, and some of them are directly. So we have actions that are directly, essentially correlated with getting you more informed. Um, to the very very basic thing of like putting it on your calendar, right? Triple checking that you're registered and sending us a screenshot because these are things that we hear. Call, you know, calls to action to do when, you know, uh, organizations will put that on their Instagram posts or with emails. Remember to check that you're registered, but without actually stopping you and asking you to do it. And then, of course, giving you some points and prizes on the back end. It's really unlikely that people are going to, uh, you know, see that Instagram post and be like, yes, I'm going to stop what I'm doing right now in the middle of the day and look up that I'm registered. So when we add those extra incentives um, and those extra little nudges to help you do the things that you uh, essentially uh, know you should be doing anyway, but are, uh, are probably not doing, um, that's going to make you more likely to vote. Uh, so lots of uh, fun, easy things to earn points. Nothing will take you more than five minutes. And you verify that you completed these actions and challenges with Motivote. We enter you into um, all of our drawings. And as Emily mentioned, because um, I think we, we probably will have a lot of New York uh, listeners here, we have really an abundance and overflow of New York-specific giveaways that we need to get rid of in the next week because Election Day is a week from tomorrow. So as long as you're on the platform, you will have lots of opportunities uh, for taking those small actions as well as for recruiting friends uh, to your team uh, to, to be entered into those, into those giveaways and, and get some cool stuff. Jess, Emily, thank you both so much for your time. And uh, folks, we can only encourage you to go to motivote.us, get registered, sign up. As was mentioned, it only takes about five minutes. And if you need a team, Typed Out has one. So all you have to do is in your team section, just write Typed Out and uh, join us. We are happy to have you and we hope to see you at the polls on Tuesday, November 6th to vote for your midterm elections. All right. Well, Jess, Emily, thank you so much again for joining me today and really standing behind Motivote and what you ladies are doing. And uh, we hope to have you on soon to talk about more politically oriented stuff if you're interested. Oh, my God. Always. <laughs> Favorite topic. <laughs> thank you. Wait. Yeah. Thank you so much for having us. And we're so honored to be the inaugural episode. <laughs> yes. I'm super excited about it. So thank right. you both again and enjoy your day. You too. You too. All right. Talk soon. Bye. So there you have it. I hope you enjoyed our special pre-release episode of the Typed Out Podcast and that you feel encouraged to tune in again next week when we officially launch on Tuesday, November 6th. You can listen to us on your way to the polls. Once more, I'd like to give a special thanks to Jess Regal and Emily Graham of Motivote and to my co-host for this episode, Marchant Davis. And I say, bitch... This has been a Typed Out production. I'm your host, Nick Polifrone, and we'll see you again next week. Happy Halloween.